0: I'm Tanya Muhammad, and this is Act 2 New York.
1: This is my first performance after a year and a half, a little more, and um, it
2: feels like I'm breathing again. <laughs> the hard part about being in the living room is that you can't really jump that much and or travel at all. And for me, I'm you know I'm six foot three. A living room was already so small, I was hitting walls left and right and like hitting my couch like crazy.
3: I was like, oh my gosh, can I still go on point? Can I still dance? How? What happens if my pirouette doesn't work? Like, what's going on? I, I was I was very confident, but I was also very scared.
0: New Yorkers like to show off their city and all it has to offer when friends come to visit. To be honest, our lives are usually so frantic we barely get to enjoy the city at all. I did just that in late February 2020 when a good friend was in town. We went to the event of the season, Lincoln Center's Art Ballet. We watched the always astounding dancers of the New York City Ballet take the stage from our cheaper, nosebleed seats, and then wandered around admiring the amazing, huge Lauren Redness portraits in the lobby as the DJ pumped some hip party tunes. High on the show, the art, and all the beautiful people, we were not ready to call it a night. Luckily, the Empire rooftop is only a stone's throw from Lincoln Center. The rooftop and its iconic sign is often remembered as the spot where a brooding, sexy Chuck Bass from the original Gossip Girl often sulked and, well, brooded. The views are breathtaking, the service and food incomparable. It was definitely one of those perfect New York nights out. It was also one of my last nights out before everything shut down. A place like the Empire Rooftop hit the jackpot with its blockbuster location. It's on top of a popular tourist hotel right next to Lincoln Center, a block from Central Park and surrounded by many, many office buildings and high-end shops. That's great for business until the city closes. Dawn Durham is VP and Director of Operations of Hospitality Holding, which owns and runs the rooftop along with other high-end bars and lounges in Manhattan. I spoke to her and her longtime manager, Anjan Rahman, in May of 2021 to see how they've been hanging in there.
1: It's a gorgeous space. It's about, you know, 6,000 square feet. It has two terraces and it's connected by a main lounge. We have a pretty um, interesting demographic there, anywhere from 25-year-olds up to 80-year-olds. It's a really fun mix of young people wanting to go out and, um, you know, a little bit of an older crowd enjoying Lincoln Center. March 16, 2020, we had to shut down all of our operations and um, we were completely decimated. It was a really long, hard road reopening it's been a very difficult just for the simple fact that people don't want to follow certain rules and stuff like that but i mean we're doing it you know but new yorkers want to party and a lot of there's a lot of people out there that don't believe in the mask or vaccines or certain rules which makes it difficult for us as managers just like to deal with that a lot of staff you know didn't want to come back because they were scared. You know, they were scared to be exposed to COVID-19. So it was difficult to find that happy balance of keeping our staff safe and, you know, serving our customers at the same time. We changed the, the seating dramatically to you know, allow everyone for six feet of space. Because at that time, people were just really dipping their toe in the water to go out. So we were nervous that no one was even going to come.
0: Struggling with the limited capacity rules like so many places in the city in this bizarre, crazy time, the Empire Rooftop had to adapt for sure. And that's when Don got an interesting proposal.
1: We've never done a dance
0: performance we've we've done
1: some you know jazz performances where it was more background music but we have a really nice tie-in um with new york city ballet and we used to do a lot of events for them but not non-performing events so i got a call from melissa gerstein uh,
4: i'm melissa gerstein the co-founder of I Heart Dance nyc and i'm kimberly Gianelli, also the co-founder of I Heart Dance nyc
1: and um she left me a voicemail and you know, she was my name is melissa gerstein and i really need to talk to you because i have this idea and i want to support the dancers
4: so we started i heart dance nyc really um out of a frustration of no one doing anything and it comes from two former dancers who love dance and we were just as much hurting and craving or starving for art and culture and specifically dance. She
1: knew of the Empire Rooftop because she had her son's bar mitzvah there years ago. So she knew that we had this one terrace with great open space. So she presented this idea, I we we can do this fundraiser. We can do a couple of shows in a day and all the dancers would love to perform and they're with New York City Ballet and um and we'll raise money.
0: In these last months as the closures continue, More than seventy-five percent of dancers have reported needing funds just to pay their rent. Seventy-four percent needing assistance for necessities like food and groceries, and ten percent have been forced to relocate due to the high living costs of New York City and the lack of unemployment opportunities and little guidance for the future.
4: And there were all these union, you know, obstacles, and I just said, Okay, I'm gonna find an outdoor space and The first event ended up in the New York Times, and it was a a benefit for the dancers of New York City Ballet. And I just said, I'm going to build upon this. I was like, well, I'm a
1: former dancer as well, and I would, you know, love to have a part of this. So I said, sure, let's do it.
4: Welcome to NYC! We had to
1: um, clear out the entire space. They had to bring in their dance floor. And the most difficult part was keeping everybody six feet apart. You know, we wanted to get as many people at the performance as possible so they could raise the most money that they could. So that was the hardest part, just logistically trying to figure out where people were going to sit and how we were going to make that work. But, you know, we just changed the floor plan and we're in hospitality. We, we do, you know, crazy stuff all the time.
4: finding ways in these really challenging times how to keep dance alive and dancers training and choreographers rehearsing and everyone working and back on our our new stage that we just bought. Oh my god we bought a stage
0: (laughs) for some of these dancers it was their first performance in over 400 days.
4: You know I guess the biggest thing for me personally was I was scared that we were gonna to start to lose, lose dancers and lose artists and they would lose their passion and they would lose their purpose. And to me, that was the scariest thing of all. I mean, the mental more than the physical, I think was what drew me to start this.
0: Okay, this next piece is dance by Ingrid Silva, who is with the Dance Theatre of Harlem. Uh, this is also another world premiere. This one is choreographed <laughs> by Tiffany Ray Fisher, who's the artistic director of Elisa Monte Dance. And so we're so glad to have them here to premiere this work now with Ingrid as a new mother and Tiffany who's an expectant mother and so this was a really special time in their lives to honor as two black creatives
2: who are giving new life coming back
3: to dance feels challenging feels scary and i think it's really powerful 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 too I mean, if Kimberly haven't thought about me, and she was very sweet, she's like, I know you got back in the studio, no pressure, we would love to have you in the show. And I was like, oh my God, she actually think I can perform. And I was like, can I perform? Like I had like second thoughts and I was like, you know what? If it's something choreographed on me, it will be beautiful. Uma nova vida traz paz, felicidade because one of the things that I did not want to be or did not want was not be myself or lose myself, lose myself myself. And I wanted to do well, you know, I didn't want to have like my first comeback performance being a crazy memory, you know. I was like, oh my gosh, can I still go on point? Can I still dance? How, what happens if my pirouette doesn't work? Like what's going on? I, I, was, I was very confident but I was also very scared. It went very well. It went very, um, how can I say, sentimental. It's
4: special,
1: special day for us. This is both our first performance with a live audience. So these past five minutes that we just have with you, such a joy. So I wanna thank you so much for being here. And, um,
2: you made on us. Thank you so much you all for being here. I don't have much to add besides you don't know what you have until it's gone and the pandemic has taught both of us and I think everyone performing today how much our hearts beat for this art form (laughs) and I'm very grateful to be here. Thank you everyone. Uh, I am Gilbert Bolden III. Well the first few months I just took off entirely, barely danced, just kind of enjoyed being a regular person. But I'm very happy to be back on a stage where I can actually fully extend myself. The hard part about being in the living room is that you can't really jump that much and or travel at all. And for me, I'm, you know, I'm six foot three. A living room is already so small. I was hitting walls left and right and like hitting my couch like crazy.
3: My body feeling crazy honestly so coming back to work sometimes has crying days has powerful days but it's also beautiful to see that I'm making it every day that I'm making it every day that I'm making it, every day, I'm making it every
2: day. I've been very lucky to have a few performances uh in Jersey and one in West Virginia but this is my first time on stage in New York so it feels nice to be home again
5: So I'm thrilled to be here. I'm a choreographer here in New York City and um, I'm here to talk to you about Anne Ranking, who uh, we lost in December during COVID. And there was very little time or a space to celebrate her. And um, I got a phone call nine days ago <laughs> asking um, if I would like to um, to honor Miss Ranking. And I said, I would love to. And I think the reason why I was chosen was because she was a mentor of mine. Is this the first live piece you've
0: first...
5: It is the first live piece and I have to say, I think if I'm not mistaken, this is probably the first time we have seen this choreography live on stage in well over 20 years. Wow. Wow. You know, I think I think that's also something that we haven't seen so it's a uh, it's a double whammy. It was an honor to be, um, to be privileged with the uh, responsibility to, uh, to be able to give back that piece uh, and to have you know the stamp of approval by the Verdon Fossey legacy is an honor also to, uh, to restage Bob Fossey's work.
3: It felt amazing. I mean, very, how can I say that? It was challenging to see that there were people looking at me like wow that is real people I am performing oh my gosh it was so funny because at the end of the show um we went down the hotel and we were going across the street and I was like jumping up and down and screaming I was like I just performed as dancers it's it's so rare to cherish those moments in art and I'm pretty sure after this year people will cherish more the little details in life we took we take everything for granted. And I'm pretty sure I was one of these people. And then yesterday being on stage performing for a real audience, there were nothing like that I would ever change to experience that again. And it means so much, it has a different meaning.
0: The audience was just as moved as the dancers. I spoke with some of them after the show including Jeff London, a freelance art reporter and producer, whose stories have been featured on NPR.
2: Oh, I thought it was
4: incredible. It was so intimate. I mean, we were just feet away from the dancers. How often do you get to experience that when you go to the ballet or Broadway? You could see their muscles moving, you know, as, as they were dancing. And uh, it was just a really wonderful experience. People are really thrilled about the up-close-and-personal experience. It's different. You really get to see and feel it differently, whether it's an emotion from a dancer or, you know, you're not blocked by someone in front of you. I mean, it's sort of in a theater of a round style. There's no bad view, but it is a really unique experience that we're finding. You know, I think people have really been starved for performance as well as, you know, uh, from the performers' end, and from the audience's end, we've been starved to uh, to see dance and hear live music and theater, and it's all coming back.
0: It just feels great. You know, you drove past Lincoln Center, it also being beautiful with, the, with that green carpet and everything, so it feels like normal. And this was just also just the opportunity to do it, you know, and then here at this location, it's beautiful, it's unique. So I w- it was an easy choice to do,
1: you know? It's very nice just because New Yorkers want to be out and all these people that... And it's the fact that our company is great for the fact that we're supporting dancers, especially with the Lincoln Center being closed. They're getting some work, and there's people that still enjoy the ballet, and they want to just come over here and enjoy it. And it helps us promote the place as well. So it's working out for all of us put together. It's great. It's fantastic. I mean, New York is is so resilient and uh just seeing people excited to come into our spaces and really enjoy themselves and and not be worried is 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 really a blessing Uh,
4: you know it's been such a hard year for all of us all of us
1: on stage and in front of the stage Um, but we've all learned so much and to have you all here, it's so meaningful and, and special and we're so grateful for your support and I'm crying. <laughs> uh, this is my first performance after a year and a half, a little more and um, it feels like I'm breathing again. <laughs> and it's just so wonderful, thank you, thank you.
0: It was a joyful and surreal evening. I was so grateful for the emotional performances I saw. So many different dance styles, all against the gorgeous backdrop of the city skyline. Every show produced by Melissa and Kimberly is filled with these thoughtful moments, all with the intent of raising money for dancers affected by the pandemic. But I can't imagine any of them having a more beautiful setting than this one.
4: I wanna send a special thank you to the weather gods because we don't need another rain date. We've had too many rain dates. So we hope today inspires you, moves you, and makes you feel hopeful for the future. So for now, we will have to overlook Lincoln Center from high in the sky and continue to create and find a way, so let's dance.
0: Production of Race Car Radio. My name is Tanya Muhammad, and I produce the show. Additional production by Charlotte Moore. Post production, original music and sound design by Garrett Tiedemann. Production manager, Gabriella Montecchi. Our executive producer is David Hoffman, who also composed our theme music. Find out more about iHeartDance at iHeartDanceNYC.com and on Instagram. You can also learn more about The Empire Rooftop on Instagram at The Empire Rooftop. I'll have more info on the performers who participated in the show in our show notes and on our Facebook and Instagram pages at act numeral 2 NY. Special thanks to Erica Lewis Blunt for her use of her music in Ingrid and Tiffany's Movement of Motherhood piece and everyone who took the time to talk with me. If you enjoyed this episode of Act 2 New York, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Racecar Car Radio is a division of Citizen Race Car. We tell stories.